Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring the strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working part-time at my private practice and part-time at a community mental health agency in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and an owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. And please refer to your state guidelines and licensing boards for any ethical concerns. And please remember to subscribe and follow our podcast and on Instagram. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. Today, we are giving you a bonus episode and talking about implicit and explicit memory. We know that we have used these words quite a bit in the podcast you've already listened to. And we really want our hope in this kind of brief bonus episode today. Well, one is to keep it brief because I really love talking about this, but nobody needs like an hour on science stuff, right? But to keep it digestible and brief and to talk about why this matters for a therapist to at least have kind of an awareness. So this is happening for every single human on the whole planet. Mm -hmm. We all have implicit and explicit memory. So we want to define what that means, kind of make that understandable, and then talk about how to use that in session with the lens of interpersonal neurobiology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say outside of the kind of official definition, the easiest way that I think about it is when I think implicit, I think internal. Mm -hmm. And when I think explicit, I think external. Yeah. And so an implicit memory is within me and it can be harder to recognize maybe. And an explicit memory, you know, has words and a picture and I can access it very quickly. Yes. And like that narrative. Yes. So maybe it's helpful. I totally agree with that. And if it's helpful, we can give some examples around. Um, I'm thinking about, I think it's Dan Siegel. Lots of people talk about implicit and explicit memory. And truly today, there's so much with memory science. Like we couldn't possibly go into all the details. Yeah. If you like it, let us know and we'll go into more details. But today <laughs> we're going to keep it really vague. Um but I really enjoy how I think it's Dan Siegel talks about how we all under healthy conditions, those two things are working together all the time. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm, gosh, if I'm walking into like a familiar sports field and I smell the freshly cut grass of the soccer field and I feel like a warm sensation in my belly um, from that smell, that's implicit. Mm -hmm body memory. Mm -hmm. I've smelled it before and I feel good about it. And then the explicit narrative might be like, gosh, I'm so glad to be back. I remember last season and I'm excited for right now. Yes, I have words around it, language, but I also have that implicit joining of what's happening in my body at the same time. Yep. Mm -hmm. And would you say that's when also he says that means that we're integrated? Yes. When both are working at the same yeah. time, that's integration. And isn't it left and right hemisphere too? Like yeah. the left is more of that explicit. Mm -hmm. And we say that a lot in our podcast, like the left brains need to know or mm -hmm. soothe your left brain. You know, that's that words and language. Mm -hmm. And the right brain is more of that metaphor, implicit, 
Um, and I think it's Dan Siegel talks about how it's encoded with like motor patterns and sensations. Mm -hmm. And when they both work together, that's when we're feeling healthy or like the conditions are right for integration. Yep. Yeah. Could you then give an example of maybe what would happen if somebody was having an implicit memory related to trauma Mm. and how maybe then those two are not connected or the story is very different? Yeah, that can be so disruptive. And so the easiest example is like under age five, um, the higher regions of the brain, the cortical regions are not developed entirely, mm-hmm. especially under age two. So there can't be explicit memory. That's why we don't remember explicitly the day we were born mm-hmm. or like learning to walk. That's, we don't have an explicit narrative, but it definitely happened. And your body remembers that experience. Um, so it's easy as you're asking that question for me to think about like pre-verbal trauma mm-hmm. is always going to be implicit. Yes. So pre-verbal, like before you learn how to talk, yes. anything traumatic, that could be a traumatic birth or high, like in utero stress. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be something overtly traumatic or stressful in those early years. Um, and that still happens as adults. Like if something really traumatic happens and we don't, we don't have the adaptation it's not offered in that moment to integrate it because it's not safe. So if we're not feeling safe, our brain isn't going to take the time. That's kind of how I think about it. It's not going to take the time to have a narrative around it in the moment. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go into those arousal states, hyper or hypo. Yes. Um, and it's not going to reach the higher parts of the brain because it, shouldn't have that wasn't that wasn't the smartest thing to do in that moment so that could be someone um well as you're talking i've always been fascinated by um what happens to folks within utero trauma and mm-hmm. i've been fascinated because my mom was pregnant with me and was in a car accident at the time mm. and the folks that were in her car died mm. um, and my mom survived oh. and i was born a couple months later yeah and i had been in several car accidents either as the driver or somebody driving um from the time i was in the womb until about 25 wow <laughs> um oh. and so when my partner and I started to get together and we were in the car together and he's driving yes, and it can be just the smallest thing. Somebody happens to just like swerve a little over the white dotted line. My whole body jolts. Mm. And obviously that naturally makes my partner's body jolt. Yes. And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm really sorry. And, and it, trying to explain, I can't control that. Yes. It just happens without my yes. control. Like out of nowhere. Yes. With parents, we would talk about like that mountain out of a molehill type Mm -hmm. of thing. Like there's this big reaction, like you're talking about, you're safe in the car, Mm -hmm. but your body's reacting with this a lot of charge because it's the body memory that's being touched on that activation of like, you know, and then we know all these fascinating things about epigenetics of car accidents are like a trauma in your Mm -hmm. family's history. Yes. I think you said that. Yep. Um, that that can be implicitly encoded into our DNA. Yes. Gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and we all carry that. Like that's not unique to no. you or yes. And you know that, but yeah, I think for the people listening, it's important to talk about these things with a lot of like normalizing and not shaming these responses we can't control because they come up as clinicians. Yes. So if I'm working with, and I will say, I really love working with parents, but I think that that might be why a lot of people don't because our attachment wounds come 
from our parents. Yes. And that is going to, and it does for all of us, but it's going to really activate these like body memories, somatic reactions. Yes. When we are witnessing a parenting, parent-child dyad that's disconnected. Mm. For me, I, when I observe um, like a healthy system, a healthy parent-child dyad. Yes. It is so hard for me because it awakens my own grief over not having had some of those needs met. Yes. Like really beautiful attunement. Mm-hmm. When this like mama can really attune to her baby or dad can really attune and count their fingers and toes and all yeah. these things. Cause I think mm-hmm. I don't have explicit memory over not being held, mm-hmm. but I implicitly long for like that holding environment, even as an adult. Yes. Um, and so I have to notice when that comes up with parents Yeah. that gosh, that's touching on something for me and how, how do I hold that with compassion and still stay as a therapist and work with this dyad. And I think that comes up with lots of different clients for all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that speaks to what you and I've talked about with the gratitude of having interpersonal neurobiology as the base, because it sounds like you are able to hold so much compassion for yourself and for your younger self in those sessions, because you have that knowledge that this is just what my body was designed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And like, can we... I always thought it would be the hardest cases mm-hmm. like, oh, it's going to be the abusive parent mm-hmm. or it's going to be the horrific, mm-hmm. I don't know, story. Yeah. But to tolerate the positive. Yes. Because it touches on our own grief. I think that that's was surprising to me, but a good opportunity to further heal. And for you, the listener, you actually may resonate more with um when I hear this really bad story, um, mm-hmm. that's what touches for me. And yes. so when we think about folks who have experienced a trauma together, mm. and then you ask them about the traumatic event, they all have a different story. Mm-hmm. And that's because each body, everyone's brain perceives an event differently. Mm-hmm. And if your body's perception is, this is too much for me to handle, it's going to put it into implicit memory. Yes. That's yeah, okay. Yes. And I'm like, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> um, and for some folks in this event, it actually may not have been too much to handle. And so they have mm. some explicit memory about it. Yeah. And so they may have a narrative that sounds very different yeah. than somebody who has only the implicit memory. Yes. And it actually reminds me of something that Bonnie just said beautifully and very poetically. Bonnie Badnock Mm. is what our body does is memorializes that event for us by putting it into implicit memory. Mm -hmm. That is such a beautiful way to honor what's happening. That language. Yes. I think that part of our, our heart in talking about this and our desire to really want to put this out there besides just defining the terms is having this experience in kind of the younger parts of our career where I would look at these therapists that I look up to, the greats. Yes. <laughs> and thought, man, I can't ever, I can't ever be like that because I've had all this stuff that happened. I don't have my mm. shit together. Yes. Yeah. Um, and how will I ever be able to help somebody else? Um, mm-hmm. And what I have found growing up in the field is that all of us, like you started with this, Abby, have implicit memories, whether yeah. we remember them or not, yes. we feel them, they're there. It's just bringing the awareness. And being Bonnie, this is again, Bonnie's 
beautiful words is being connected to hope always around that. And so we have implicit memory and she calls it um, inherent wisdom. I'd like to read a quote from one of her books, The Heart of Trauma. She She says, we need to hold on to our trust in the inherent wisdom of our people's system, even in the midst of the necessary co-suffering that comes when strong, implicit experiences are awakening. I want to read that one more time. Yeah. Um, We need to hold on to our trust in the inherent wisdom of our people's system, even in the midst of the necessary co-suffering that comes when strong, implicit experiences are awakening. And as I read that, I had, I felt so rooted in the, in that language of inherent wisdom to heal. And we need to co-suffer with our clients Mm. with dual awareness, right? So like that being very much okay because we've done our own work mm-hmm. and we have our own really nourishing relationships where we've been held. Mm-hmm. So like if my mom didn't come and hold me when I'm crying in the middle of the night, right? That's mm-hmm. a rupture in my life. Mm-hmm. But I have so many mothering relationships mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. So I can show up with a client that is figuratively or re- really crying mm-hmm. and needing care. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, our implicit needs to join with their implicit. I think that's the essence of what Bonnie's saying. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I think that you summarized that beautifully. And so as we leave you with this episode, can you pick one client that you begin to notice what's happening for you implicitly or what's happening between the two of you implicitly? Mm. Thanks for being with us today. Take care.